world something else, isn't it? Something else. This morning I'll be coming to Habakkuk 1. I want to go ahead and read you verses 2 through 4. It says, How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? Or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. How often have we prayed that recently? It's beginning to feel an awful lot like God's abandoned us, doesn't it? We start looking at things going on in the world. Everything that's happened in the last week. In the last week alone. But last year altogether. Sometimes I, I feel like I'm alone. I know I'm not. I can trust that God's there. But I feel like I'm alone sometimes. And sometimes I think that's been my prayer. And this this book has come up so often this week. I've seen it over and over again. Many people have pointed to it for various reasons. even saw a short Billy Graham video on it. And I think that's probably the biggest inspiration for this is something that he spoke, and he was younger in that video. And I think times really haven't changed. But it's God's answer to Habakkuk's prayer here really gets me thinking. Verses 5 through 7, God answers Habakkuk. He says, look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded. For I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the bitter impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. There are fierce and terrifying. Their views of ju justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. That describes a lot of people in power. God raised up the Chaldeans to conquer Israel, his nation, for a reason. And he even told Habakkuk, you won't believe when you hear what I'm doing. You won't believe that this is what I'm doing. You won't believe that this comes from me, that I'm doing this. God is raising up the Chaldeans again for us and for the same reasons. Because God is doing something that we won't believe because of where we tend to put our faith in people, in governments, in idols that we've created, in money, in property, movie stars, actors, musicians, celebrities of all kinds. For whatever reason, we put our faith in them and we don't trust in God. And I'm not just talking about America. I'm talking about the church. 
as a whole. We idolize preachers and singers. We put our faith in them that they're going to save us, that they're going to deliver a powerful message. Y'all, I don't speak nothing that don't come from God because I've got nothing to say. Do not put your faith in me. Do not put your faith in any other preacher. They are men. Do not put your faith in the government. Those are men and women. They have sat in power for decades and have done nothing for us. And now all of a sudden they're going to save us? Please. See, the Israelites had put their faith in the man-made gods of the countries that surrounded them. They put their faith in their own abilities, in their own escalades. They'd forgotten about God. But when the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and the Assyrians started to attack, they cried out, God, where are you? Like he had forgotten about them. But he hadn't. He brought those people in to bring his people back to faith. God is doing something that we won't believe. He is allowing the Chaldeans to invade and take over. He's allowing Babylon to come from the east and Assyria from the north so that his people will come back to faith and stop trusting in man-made things, man-made entities. Stop trusting in things that we designed and start trusting in him who designed us. They had replaced God with idols. They had accepted the sinful actions of the people around them to the point that they even themselves were sacrificing children, babies, to these gods and idols. We're not much different. Sixty-plus million unborn children have been killed since the passing of Roe v. Wade. Sacrifice to the idol of choice. all that is is an idol and they're sacrificing children they sleep promiscuously with people who weren't believers in their God people who God had told them not to mess with taking multiple wives multiple husbands whatever just taking lovers all around we see that constantly. Divorce rate even in the church is well over 50% because of that very reason. The number one reason for divorce is money or adultery. Either there's money issues and they can't get along about it so they split or there's adultery. And quite often, more often than not, it's on both sides. It's just too easy to get a divorce. Things get hard leave instead of working. They gave in to hate toward each other. They divided their country in two before they were ever attacked because they couldn't get along. You had Israel and Judea as two separate countries. Because they couldn't get along. 
Even in Jesus' time, the Jews were divided between Pharisees, Sadducees, and Sumerians. You had two religious sects over the Jews, and then you had Sumerians who were Jews on the most basic sense, but were outcasts because they didn't believe in the New Age Jewish traditions that had come up. And we do the same now. We define ourselves by our denomination. We're Church of the Nazarene. We're Baptists. We're Methodists. We're Catholics. Presbyterians. Pentecostals. Church of Christ. People, we are Christians. What church we go to shouldn't matter because at the very core of all of those churches' beliefs is the same thing. Jesus was born lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death for our salvation and raised from the dead and conquered death and hell for us. That is the core belief of all Christian churches and we can't get along because of our man-made divisions. And we think we can get along in the country. The church has turned against God and we wonder why the country has we accept those very things that Israel was punished for into our own church we turned a blind eye to various sins of all kinds oh it's just a little white lie oh but they love each other still a sin Oh, well, you know, he didn't take nothing of great value. He still stole. Person just gossiping. The Bible condemns that. But we turn blind eyes to it because they're just little sins. They're not that big a deal. We slowly pushed God out the door and created social clubs across America, across the world. And we wonder why God has abandoned us. He hasn't abandoned us. He has raised up an army of Chaldeans to bring us back to faith. More and more, especially this last week, I've seen more and more Christians call out for gospel preaching. That they're tired of the New Age stuff. That they're tired of the washed over gospel. That all they want to hear is Jesus saves. Well, you know what? Jesus saves. He saved me. I was no better than any of them. I had sin in my life. All of us have. Jesus saves. I couldn't be up here if it wasn't for him. There are countries where it is absolutely illegal to even tote a Bible. And the gospel is spreading faster in those countries than it does where it's free to speak out about Christ in the streets. There are people coming here from those countries as missionaries. There are story after story I've read where some Muslim and some Aryan nation has had a vision of Christ having never heard of Christ before in his life and sought out a missionary he had heard about two towns over 
to be told the Bible and learn about Christ and is converted and has come to America to preach the gospel because it's illegal where he lived. There are people in Arab nations being baptized in bathtubs in secret because it's illegal there. And we have the luxury and the freedom right now to speak openly about it and we sit with our arms crossed silent in the pews and I can't be quiet. Not anymore. God said he is sending the Chaldeans a bitter and impetuous nation where all their views stem from themselves. That sounds an awful lot like the people taking control in Washington right now. We don't like it. But it's probably part of God's plan. And it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe for Habakkuk too. That all he could do is sit there and wait for God's justice to outshine those nations that were invading. For 70 years, Daniel waited, and then he reminded God in prayer. Remember the promise you told me? That 70 years and we would return? And God made it happen. God honors his promises. Politicians don't. For decades, they've sat up there making promise after promise after promise and have not kept a single one. And every one of God's promises have been fulfilled. See, in these times, it's when we find out who we are. Are we going to sit silent and just watch it happen? Or are we going to fill the commission that Christ gave to us to spread the gospel? To all nations. That includes ours. We need revival in this country like never before. It's got to start in every pulpit, in every church. That preachers have to stop giving watered down messages, false gospels of prosperity, and start giving the gospel of true prosperity, that is, that we are heirs to the kingdom of God through Christ Jesus alone. And it's not that this life that we get our rewards, but in heaven. And that if you have not accepted Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior, you are destined for hell. That is a message nobody wants to hear anymore, but it's a message that we need to preach. It's a message that we need to see send out. There are two roads. One is straight and narrow, and few are going to find it. One is wide, and so many people are running right down it. We have to keep our faith in God. We have learned more this last year that we cannot really trust the government. We cannot trust a lot of the people that are just around us. 
All our trust and all our faith goes into God. And we lean on Him in troubled times. And we trust in Him. And we follow Him. And in the end, it will all be okay. Because we know where our real home lies. This is just a passing storm. We are foreigners in a foreign land. Because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Habakkuk had to hold on to that type of faith. He had to trust God does not fail. God keeps his promises and God has promised to deliver them from the captivity that he has set them in. And that it was only for a time. When you read the book of Daniel, you read the story of four, four teenage boys. We don't really see much of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after chapter 3, but Daniel carries on from about the age of 15 for 70 years. So about the age of 85, he finally gets to see Israel restored by the order of his captive king. I'm not looking it up, so I may be wrong, but I believe it was Darius that finally sent Jewish people back to Jerusalem to rebuild their city. Fulfilling God's promise. God's promises hold true. In God's time, we just have to hold on to them and keep speaking and keep preaching. And if God gives you visions, prophesy in the streets. People push you down and tell you to shut up, speak louder. People tell you to sit down and chill out, stand up. They are not your commanders. God is. And God has given us a command to speak. Has given us a command and the power to spread his message. Eleven men. Eleven. Started the whole thing. Following the words of Jesus Christ. And left from Galilee all over the world. Creating disciple after disciple after disciple. Many people say, well, if you only reach one person, what big difference have you made? That one person may be the next Billy Graham. That one person may be the next Adrian Rogers. That one person may be the next Phineas Brzee. That one person may be the next C.S. Lewis. Or J.R. Tolkien. That one person may be the next Apostle Paul. Never give up. If you just reach one person, you've done what God has commanded you. You cast the net out and let him do the sorting. Preach and teach and speak and sing and praise to all who will listen. And if they don't want to listen, 
Do it anyway. Because which is more loving act? To let a blind man walk off a cliff out of fear of offending him? Or to take him by the hand and jerk him to the side to protect his life? So if what I say or what I do seems offensive to you, know that I do it because I love you. And I don't want to see you in hell. But I want to join you in heaven. Now is the time to speak. Now is the time to stand. Now is the time to walk and talk with people. Spend time with people. Share the gospel with them. It's not the time to be quiet. It's not the time to sit still. It's not the time to wonder what is God doing. It's the time to know that whatever he's doing, we probably wouldn't believe it, but he's already given us our orders. Spread the message. Spread the message. At the end of Habakkuk chapter 3, at the very end of the book, Habakkuk's ending his prayer and expresses his confidence in God. Starting in verse 16 of Habakkuk 3, he says, I heard and I trembled within, my lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there's no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in God my Savior. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. He says, no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets, my God is the God of my salvation. So I will rejoice in that. I will celebrate the Lord. That means he's not going to be quiet about God. He might quietly wait for his invaders to be done away with. But he's not going to be quiet about God because he's going to be rejoicing. He's going to be celebrating. Y'all, we need to rejoice and celebrate God every day. We need to make sure that we let people know that God is the God of our salvation. That without Him, we have nothing. And because of Him, nothing else matters. Because He enables us to walk on mountain heights.
he can lift us from the valley. So during this, what seems like a really, really dark season, let's put our faith in God instead of everything else. And know that for whatever reason, though we may not believe it or understand it, God sent the Chaldeans for us so that our faith can be in Him and Him alone. He is acting to restore His people to Him. Let's do our best not to let Him down in that. Let's put our faith in Him. We're going to fail Him, but not for a lack of trying. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing you've given us. Thank you for the words that you've sent from your book, from your history, God, so that we can learn from the things that have happened in the past and apply them to our present, so that we know that our future lies in you and you alone. Put on our hearts your message so that we can share it with everyone around us, so that we can help others see that what you're doing you're doing for us to restore us to you so that we can remove our faith from the idols that we've created and put our faith back in you God I know that we we will fail you in some way because we are faulty because of the sin of this world but we know that you are perfect God and you will forgive perfectly and you will give us eyes to recognize our failures so that we can admit them to you. And give us the faith to walk in your light, Lord, and be that beacon that, that everyone around us can see and know that it comes from you. So that no matter what trials we face, no matter what situations we find ourselves in, our words, our actions are for you and for your glory so that we can find ourselves leading a life in accordance with your will fulfilling the commission that you gave us so long ago to go to all nations and make disciples so that the next generation can continue your work we ask that if we any of us has failed you Lord that you cleanse our hearts and our minds and our souls and give us the strength to admit our faults to you so that we may be saved. We ask that you put, put your message on the hearts of the lost so that they can come to you, open their eyes to see the light that you are shining through us to them so that they can turn to you, Lord, so that they can be in heaven with you because that's our destination. We know that we're passing through this world and this is only temporary, but our eternity lies with you. And we ask that you welcome us gracefully into your house and that you know, find no fault in us when we arrive because of your son and that we have accepted him on our lives, Lord. And we ask that we can give that message to as many people as possible. And if we only reach one, Lord, make that one 
one that reaches many. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.